Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. What's up, Rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. After the show, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, or wherever you listen. The feedback helps us out a lot. And we are now on Patreon. And for $3 a month, you can get early access to episodes, as well as some exclusive features like behind-the-scenes sound bites, or maybe even some giveaways. Your support is appreciated. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. <laughs> Enjoy. I can't I okay. can't see you. Your your screen is frozen with an empty chair right now. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, it's cool. I'm a ghost. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rewatch Recap, where today I am joined by half of the No More Late Fees podcast, Danielle. Say hi, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> hi. <laughs> you had to go there. Now, you know, your your cohort, I guess you would say, is Jackie, and yes. she could not be with us tonight at no. the time of this recording, but it's okay. We'll make it through. She's with us in spirit. She is. Jackie, you're awesome. You are. You're the best. <laughs> but, uh, well, so everyone, Danielle and I had a fun little discussion about pop culture and and history and all that good stuff, which you can listen to if you subscribe to the Rewatch Recap Patreon for only $3 a month. We have more extras that will debut every week and some surprises coming your way. So be sure to sign up. The link is in my link tree in the show notes if you need help finding it. And uh, also, please be sure to reach out to the show on social media. We are at The Rewatch Recap on Instagram and Facebook, or you can find me on TikTok or Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden. Again, links are also in the show notes for this. <laughs> so with that out of the way, I want, you, I want to introduce you all to this week's TV movie of the week, 1996's Twisted Desire, starring a 20-year-old Melissa Joan Hart. Gotta love it. God, I know. I know. Oh, I, I, I remember seeing this, and as I was watching it, a lot was coming back to me. And I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. Yep. I remember what happens now. I remember what happens now. Yep. I'm like, ooh, ooh. It was great. Um, I actually picked this movie for you guys because I saw that you had covered Drive Me Crazy not too long ago. No, it was um, and, um, last year. Yeah. Yeah, and as most some people may or may not know, Melissa Joan Hart was actually the lead in that movie. It's a teen rom-com from 99, I think. And um, I remember that there was, a I, I, when I was watching 
I was like, oh, driving me crazy. And it's like, I wanted to do something with you guys. And I went, I want to do a TV movie. What can I do? Uh, something with Melissa Joan Hart. Isn't there one where she's like a, a crazy, loony, murderous teenager? And <laughs> and I was like, isn't it based on a true story? So, yeah. Um, so this episode is basically part true crime podcast in this episode. So. Yes. <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, had you ever seen this movie before? I did. So I just have to clarify. I, You know, like... I I don't think I would call myself a Melissa Joan Hart stan, but I think in I think in the nineties two thousands I probably was. Um, it started with Clarissa Explains It All, obsessed mm-hmm. with that show, um, and then pretty much everything else that she did, I was just like I had to watch it. Um, I even like wrote her a letter and everything. Went to go see her at Universal Studios um, when they had. Uh, when they were taping Clarissa explains it all. So like obsessed. So when the Sabrina movie came out, watched that. And then they had the TV show. You couldn't tell me anything. So when she did this, I I remember like staying up to watch it and just being like, this woman deserves an Academy award. She's so (laughs) good. I was real dumb back then. Um, I thought you couldn't tell me anything. Danielle, not an Academy Award. (laughs) An Emmy. You're right. Yeah. She deserved an Emmy, a Golden Globe, all the awards because my girl was acting. Okay. She was doing her thing in this movie. Now, rewatching, I was like, "Mm, a little naive, Danielle. A little naive. Yeah, well, she was the she was the every girl. She was the girl that was most girls could relate to her. They just wanted to, you know, hang out with Clarissa, basically. Yeah, and that's how we all got sucked in from Clarissa Darling. Yeah, and then, um, you know, that's that's why she was awesome. So when you see her something like this, you're like, whoa, hey, what's what's up? You're not just a nice girl. You're you're a little nutty. All right, that's great. And she did it well too, which was yeah. it. Literally but, uh, was you know what this movie was? It was um. A Law and Order episode extended cut. That's what it felt uh-huh. like, but with worse acting. That's that's <laughs> the way that I would describe this movie. It was, yeah, I'd talk about some acting choices coming in a little bit. but <laughs> um, So a couple of little quick little trivial things. So Twisted Desire was filmed in Charleston, South Carolina. And like we said, it stars Melissa Joan Hart as Jennifer Stanton. And like me and Danielle here, most of millennials will remember her from Clerks Explains It All and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It also stars Daniel Baldwin as William Stanton, Jennifer's father, and Isabella Hoffman as Susan Stanton, her mother. David Lasher of Hey Dude and later Sabrina's college boyfriend steps in to play Jennifer's boyfriend, Brad, at the beginning of this. Yeah. And then we have Jeremy Jordan, who was in a lot of stuff back in the 90s, but he's also (laughs) one of the many actors of that name now (laughs) because there's a new Jeremy Jordan on the block. And he was um, Guy. Like I just remember him as Guy from Never Been Kissed. That's yes, how I yes, of course. Oh my gosh, that was him, wasn't it? Yeah, oh my, was. that's why I knew his face. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow, wow. But yeah, he plays Nick, the shady new figure in Jennifer's life, supposedly shady. <laughs> and I don't want to forget Kurt Fuller, who plays Detective Becker, because he always plays like the shadiest of all characters. And <laughs> I'll, no, I'll never forget the first thing I ever saw him in, where he played the new kind of sniveling bureaucratic guy on Ghostbusters 2 
Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Like he came in, he was the bad guy who wanted to, oh, we got to stop these Ghostbusters, you know? <laughs> and so he was that guy and in Ghostbusters too. It's the only thing I remember him from mainly. I've, I know he's been in a lot of stuff, but that's what I remember him from every time I think of this guy. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> so the movie premiered on NBC on May 13th, 1996, just a month after the debut of the TV movie version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch which would actually be the backdoor pilot to the sitcom that would debut in September of the same year. And uh, and that premiered on Showtime. A lot of people think it's a decom and it's not. No, it went to it went to Disney after, you know, ABC picked up the pilot, but um, it was basically a pilot and, and it just didn't get picked up by Showtime, it got picked up by ABC. Yep. So Twisted Desire again is based on true events. I'm not in the business of actual true crime, <laughs> so I'm not going to look that up. But if you want to look up the story behind all this and enlighten us, please send us a message and maybe I can do a follow-up later about it. We'll see. I would definitely love to hear about it. If someone wants to look it up. I'm just not in the mood. <laughs> it, it was written by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes. I'm, I'm sure they're related. I'm not, you know, I'm, that's why I, I almost put Chad and Carrie Hayes, but I was like, what if they're brothers and, or, you know. Because <laughs> Carrie spelled uh, C A R E Y, which I'm thinking that's the male, one of the male versions of it. So mm, I don't know. Yeah. But um, they might just have the same last name for all I know. I don't know. And it was directed by Craig R. Baxley. So, okay. Now let's get into this. Are you ready to dive in, Danielle? I'm ready. As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> let's do it. We start off dramatically with some uber synthesized piano music that is reminiscent of the Exorcist theme. And there's like this electric guitar overlay. It's like, like it's all really like, oh, we're young and we're hip. We're going to put this little bit of guitar in there. Now it's a young person's show. I don't know where that came from, but that's what it felt like. Uh, it starts off in black and white, and we see a suburban craftsman house at night as the title Twisted Desire flashes on the screen. The camera pans into the house, going up the stairs to the master bedroom, all while flashing forward to police coming into the home to investigate later. Our view goes into the bedroom where two people are sleeping, Daniel Baldwin and Isabella Hoffman. We see someone raises a gun to shoot them while they're both sleeping. And then we flash forward to when the cops are escorting Jeremy Jordan's character out of the house in handcuffs, driving him away in the squad car as we flash back again to the gun being fired at the parents in bed. And I'm like, well, I guess that's the movie, y'all. Thanks for the ending. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, NBC. <laughs> that's what it felt like. We just got the ending at the beginning. What's going on? I don't, what's, I don't understand. So we pull back from the house and we go to color and the screen reads that it's three months later. And so I'm like, oh, so this is an origin story. Okay, now we're going back to see how. The, okay, I got you. Let's do this. So we cut to Daniel Baldwin driving home and talking on a cell phone. The flip phone. <laughs> the flip phone. I can't believe that Gen Z discovered the magic of the flip phone so many decades later. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're Christopher Columbus. Columbusing everything right now. I know they're like, oh my gosh, guys, there's a thing. It's called a cassette tape. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So Papa Stanton is talking to someone on the phone and saying, she's not going, and that's it. She's not going. I don't care. If, I can change my mind. I don't care if what I said before. 
he's pissed. He yeah. is pissed off. He's pulling into his driveway and this large truck pulling in behind him. And it's David Lasher and all his cuteness as he leans out the window and says hi to Mr. Stanton, who just kind of goes, mm, looks at him and like rolls his eyes and doesn't say anything. Just kind of ignores him. Like, dude, what's your problem? <laughs> like, really? Why are you so mad? Yeah, I never realized that Daniel Baldwin was just a precursor to Alec Baldwin that we have now. Because yeah. I don't see a difference at this point. They I mean the more they all start getting older, the more they look alike. Have you yeah. ever notice that? Yeah. They all really start looking more like they're all gaining weight and you yeah. know. It's sad. But oh well. So inside, Dad enter- enters the house to hear his wife telling Jennifer, aka Melissa Joan Hart, that she shouldn't have told her friends that she could go to the concert. And William Stanton steps in and says, I hope you still aren't talking about tonight because that decision's been made. Jennifer turns away from her mother, Susan, and says, but it isn't fair before she stomps off in a huff. I'm like, I hate this saying, but life's not fair, kiddo. (laughs) (laughs) But something tells me that that phrase is not going to adhere to you. (laughs) So, but also, did you notice how high pitched her voice sounds in this? Yeah, it it was very grating, to say the least. It was. It was like young Clarissa. Yeah. Like the first season Clarissa. It was really, I was like, what's going on with her voice? She, she's 20 now. Like her voice is a lot deeper than this. But <laughs> whatever. Outside, Jennifer goes up to her boyfriend's truck and kisses him. He's ready to go. But she has to tell him now that she can't go to the concert. Uh-oh. Yeah, and he seems pissed. He's like over it. He's like, what's the point of? getting being together if we can't actually spend time together so yeah yeah he's like but i also paid it's 40 dollars, man 40 dollars right. ticket that's i'm like a lot oh back then. Yeah, i know that's why i was like kids that's that's a lot of money yeah if the inflation it's still pretty expensive yeah. so you know but like you said yeah she's like blaming her father and he's had it he's like i don't you know what's the point of us dating if we can't see each other and she tries to convince him that they can go tomorrow but or go out tomorrow, and he tells her that he's done with her till she talks it out with her father. Then he just drives off. I'm like, okay, yeah, decent exposition to let us know how overbearing her father is and her the strain in her relationship. Okay, we got that done in like two minutes, <laughs> two minutes into the movie. So the next morning, Jennifer is getting ready to leave for school, but her father stops her, making her change her clothes because her midriff is showing. Yeah, she was giving very much drive me crazy vibes in this scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't think anybody should be able to go in school. Like, I, yeah, I'm there's like, a like unless a guy can walk around with his midriff showing and it's totally okay. Like, no, um, I don't think it's good for anybody. You know, it was definitely against code for sure. Yeah, but the mom seems to be okay with it. Did you notice that? She's like, no, she's she's going to school. She's running late, and he's like, well, she better change fast then. Right. You know, the, the dad. <laughs> Was very, like, I will say he was overbearing. He really was. There was zero trust with his daughter at all. Like, I think there's a balance between making sure that they stay out of trouble. But he was just barking all the time. He's a helicopter parent. Yeah, 100%. You know, but uh, yeah, he doesn't want anybody to see his daughter's navel. No, sir. No. Uh, Of course, it just frustrates Jennifer. So we cut to Jennifer picking up her friend Karen, played by Meadow Sisto, which I found out she is Jeremy Sisto's older sister. Yeah. 
I was like, oh, neat. And then she was like, apparently the the stoned hippie girl in Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, I have to go back and look now. I think it's the one who's like, these brownies suck. And they show the brownie and hits Lauren Ambrose on the head. Oh. I think that's her. I think that's it. It says hippie girl. So I'm pretty sure that's who that was. But um, anyway, so Karen wants to know how the concert went last night. But Jennifer has to break it to her friend. She didn't get to go because her dad changed his mind. So she pulls her little red convertible into the gas station and goes into the bathroom to change clothes while Karen gasses up the car. And in the bathroom, she starts changing into her midriff shirt mm-hmm. again when a guy enters. It's Jeremy Jordan's character. <gasps> he apologizes and leaves. And out back by the car, they where Karen has put in 10 whole dollars into the car to fill it up. Oh. I'm like, I freaking hate how much gas costs now. <laughs> no. I miss it being 99 cents a gallon. <laughs> Those were the days. Those were the days. Man, that was awesome. Oh, man. I could gas up my car for under 20 bucks. It was great. Now it's like 40, 50. <laughs> anyway, unfortunately, Jennifer left her wallet at home and Karen has no money. Luckily, the attendant is the same guy, Jeremy Jordan, who walked in on her changing. He says, it's okay if she comes back later to pay him. She swears she will, and she and Karen hop in the car and head for school. I guarantee you her ass was never going to come back to pay him. Mm -mm. She was Mm -mm. never going to. Look, she gives, like, good, we got away with it kind of thing, you know? Like, oh, she never. We don't see that, but I guarantee you she wasn't going to pay. A hundred percent agree. In the car, Karen tells Jennifer that the attendant was Nick Ryan, who just got out of jail, supposedly for being in a fight. I'm like. Unless he tried to kill the guy, that's like no reason for this guy to spend like long term jail time. First of all, why does she know that? Why like that's real quick news? How does she know that? That's exposition for you. All right. <laughs> I wonder if Karen even existed. Like they just right. made her up for the show. You never know. Yeah. Uh, you don't spend like that much time like in jail for fighting. Like there's got to been something more he did. Right. <laughs> it wasn't just fighting. fighting he really led, hurt somebody apparently. Fighting that led to like almost death maybe, like really At put least, them in yeah. the hospital or something. Yeah, and had it been like really mischievous and criminal, like something bad was going down, you know. Yeah. So they get to school and that's when Jennifer sees Brad flirting with some girl named Emma in the hallway. She steps in to talk with Brad who is still done with them. He doesn't care about you know, her paying him back for the concert tickets, but she can't do anything on weeknights or past 10 PM on the weekend. So they go round and round with this, with this like talking to her dad thing all the time. And it never changes anything. Right. So Jennifer says that they will still go to the party tonight, but bimbo Emma steps forward with her power line. Brad already asked me. (laughs) And Brad says definitively that it's over between them as the bell rings. Damn. I know you're feeling bad for her at this point. Like, Oh, poor girl. You know, things aren't working out for her in class. Emma gives a very smug victory smile to Jennifer just before Jen is called away to the office and she gets to miss the big test too. score. Right. I love getting called away when something like that was happening. Like, Oh good. I don't have to do this (laughs) or I can take a break. So on her way there, she runs into Nick, the gas station attention attendant guy. Some, for some reason, he's walking in the hallway. It turns out he used um, he used to go to the school, and he's the reason for the note that got her out of the, the test, out of flunking the test. He hands over her wallet that he found in the bathroom after she left the store. So she gives him the $10 from it. And I'm like, I would have checked to see if anything was missing before right. that. right. 
Like, I don't deal with strangers handling my personal belongings without some suspicion. And who's to say he didn't already get that $10? <laughs> right. Well, I had to just, I mean, it's nice that he gave her her wallet back. But, like, why bring it to school? She, I would have thought he would have looked at the driver's license and brought it back to her house if he was going to do that at all. Yeah. Kind it of does crazy. seem really weird. And, like, yeah. how does he know he went to that? Is that the only school in town? Is there right. not another school? You know, I don't know. So this is where he says he has ulterior motives to coming there. He wants to ask Jennifer to go to that party that night. And she declines at first, but then quickly changes her mind. Like she went something. She goes, no, wait, maybe. Okay. And then she like changes, like, like she was thinking up something right then. She figured out how she was going to use him to like make Brad jealous. Right. Yeah. He says the party starts at nine o'clock and she says she'll have to meet him there because her dad is weird about her going out on weeknights. Like a little more than that. That's an understatement. Right. So later on, Jennifer brings Karen home who completely sucks up to Mrs. Stanton as she paints a family portrait. And I'm sorry, no one is genuinely excited by anything their friend's parents do. Right. 100%. <laughs> oh my gosh, look at that portrait. It looks so good. Oh my gosh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> she was very put really pouring it on <laughs> she was just laying it on thick it was great so that I mean whatever so yeah she's painting this portrait as an anniversary present for her husband i'm like happy anniversary here's a portrait that could have easily been a photograph that you probably wouldn't want right. <laughs> you know guys aren't sentimental like that most of the time yeah. he's not gonna want that damn thing anyway so jennifer tries to get her mom to let her quote study at karen's that night but Susan tells her, you should ask your dad. And I'm like, oh, this ain't going to go well. Right. So on the phone with her dad, she gets grilled. And this is the conversation. Will her mother be there? Yes. What kind of test is it? A midterm. What subject? History. What period? The French Revolution. Okay, but don't go anywhere else. I won't. You better not. I said I won't. Bye. Yes. Controlling much? It's a lot. That is like. I mean, grilling her down to the damn period she's studying. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I'm so glad. I mean, my parents were strict, but that, that was kind of overkill. Yeah, totally. Upstairs, Karen notes how Jennifer and her diary are like best friends with, you know, she's like being best friends with Anne Frank. And I'm like, that's not funny, Karen. It's really important. taste. That's not funny at all. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me because we just watched my so-called life when she, you know, she was, how would you describe Anne Frank? And she's looking up, she was lucky. And like, cause she was trapped in the attic with a guy she really liked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's not luck. That's not a good situation that does to be in Angela. It like a very selfish teenage thing to think of and over romanticize, which I think is a problem. I think people over romanticize Anne Frank as a whole, but yeah, that's a whole other subject. She, yeah, she's, it's, she's more tragic than you know anything, right. you know, it's like, oh, you know. But anyway, Jennifer starts writing in her diary and Karen sees she's writing about Brad and she's like, I hate him and more. She tries to comfort Jennifer by, you know, hey, let's get ready for the party. Right. right. Let's, let's put this away and get ready for the party. And then we cut over to the party where Jennifer's playing pool with Nick while explaining how strict her dad is about her dress code, which is why she's changing in the gas station bathroom. Right now, she's wearing a shiny silvery crop top. I'm like. Major extra hoochie vibes going on. Like, uh-huh. I mean, it's, was it silver lame or what do you call it? Like, it was, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 
kind of pleathery. Anyway. Yeah. That that was the style. That was like one of those fabrics from the 90s, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Everything had to be shiny and texturized back then. Totally Gadzooks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hot topics like the new Gadzooks in a way, if you think about it. Yeah, it's, it's true. I got that same kind of vibe, but uh, with more like knickknacks involved. Anyway. Brad and Emma show up and mutual friend Bobby, played by Rasul Jahan, walks over to Karen to talk about the newly reunited couple. Turns out Emma and Brad broke up originally because Emma used to write him write love letters to other guys. And I'm like, ooh, Brad sure knows how to pick them. Right. Why did he go back to her then? Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just stick it to Jennifer. I don't know. Yeah. As Nick hands over hands Jennifer a beer, she looks over her shoulder to see Brad giving them both the jealous stink eye. And of course, this pleases her. She's kind of like, oh, good. He's looking, you know, right. she gives that look like, oh, 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 what, Nick? Oh, I love you. <laughs> you know, like, right. you know, you know, you and, know how they do. And Nick, <laughs> and Nick falls for it. Poor thing. He's so dumb. Hook, line and sinker. Yeah. Meanwhile, at home, William shows Susan his old college textbook on French history saying, I'll bet Jennifer would love to see this before picking up the phone to call over to Karen's house. Like, First, you did that on purpose. You're right. trying to catch her doing something wrong. Right. He does not want to trust her. There's a no. difference. Not that he doesn't trust her. He doesn't want to. Right. He wants something to be wrong. And he calls over to Karen's house. All the while, his wife is saying, Bill, please don't. Don't do that, Bill. Like, don't call. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Don't call her. You know? And I'm like, he's such an untrusting freak. Like, every kid rebels. It only makes it worse when you try to control them. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. She's... Definitely. It rare. makes it really a lot worse in this yeah. case. But. <laughs> <laughs> Over the phone with Karen's mom, he learns about the party she and Karen went to. Susan doesn't seem surprised. In fact, she seems kind of resentful toward her husband for continuing on with his controlling issues. Like, just let her be a kid, <laughs> you right. know? So now he knows where his daughter is and this can't be good. Minutes later, he shows up at the party full of teenagers Inside, Brad catches up with Jennifer to somewhat, somewhat express his jealousy. And just then, William shows up saying, it's time to go. Let's go, Jennifer. Let's go. So she's humiliated. And right. as she gets escorted out of this party by her dad, who even like as they're walking down the steps of this house, he like grabs a kid's, I don't know if it was a cigarette or a joint <laughs> in his mouth and just like yanks it out of the kid's mouth and just throws it away. And I'm like, what a dick. Like, leave the kid alone. Right. And Nick steps outside to see them both leaving. He's like, hmm, I don't like this. So at home, Jennifer tells her dad it's unfair how he keeps changing his mind on things and following her around. He gives her this whole, my house, my rules spiel. I hate that crap. <laughs> and she says she feels humiliated and just wants to be like everyone else. And he says, you think I don't know what happens at those parties? And she says, starts to say, no, you don't. And her mother starts to like yell at her. So Jennifer, don't raise your voice to your father. I'm like, that's a bunch of crap, by mm -hmm. the way. Like, I'm not allowed to speak loudly, but dad can flat out shout at me in the, for the most asinine reasons. Like, get the fuck out of here with that noise. Like, I don't care. Like, no, I will yeah. shout back. Thank you. So I'm feisty. You made me that way. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Don't, you mad because I'm just like you. That's why. That, you know. Anyway. So Jennifer gets the last word in by saying, everything I do, you're suspicious about. What do you want from me? 
And she leaves the room as her father says, don't you walk away from me. But her mom finally puts her foot down and tells him, just let her go. Right. You know, let her leave the room. <laughs> Damn. I mean, at least she's showing she's kind of a reasonable person, the mom, you know? Yeah. She's a normal person, it feels like. I'm like, she doesn't deserve to die, Jen. Come on. No. Nope. It's not a spoiler. We saw it in the beginning, guys. She I'm pointing to, at nobody. but She you know. had to go. She had to go. <laughs> so lying in bed that night Jennifer hears someone outside her window she looks out and sees it's Nick and he's I guess he's climbed her drain pipe was there a trellis or a drain pipe I don't know but he apologizes for the drop by but he didn't get her number I'm like well how the hell does he know where you live I'm telling you <laughs> like, the, li- the license yeah. he looked at the wall but I'm like but how does he know which room is hers right <laughs> he climbed right up to her room like I mean, to me, it seemed like she was in the back, like she was in the back of the house, right? Yeah. It felt like it. It seems a little fishy, or maybe it's just poor writing. I don't know. I would go with that. Poor writing? Yeah. Yeah. She tells him he can't be there. Her father will flip out. He says she owes him another date. She doesn't protest, but she does tell him he needs to go. He kisses her on the cheek and says he hasn't seen the last of, she hasn't seen the last of him before he climbs down from the balcony. From the balcony. Why do I say it like that? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. It's the drink. It's it's the beer I'm drinking. That's probably what it is. So as they ready themselves for bed, a horny William checks out his wife and says he can't wait for their trip this weekend. Wow, 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 Like she's wearing this like, you know, nice little slip or whatever. And he's like looking at her like, uh-huh, hey, hey. I'm like, ooh, ooh. She no. needs to start withholding sex when he starts acting crazy. Maybe he'll start acting right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but the way he is, he probably just like forced it on her. Oh gosh, you're right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but um, she just has to ruin the moment by telling him that her parents can't stay with Jennifer while they're gone. And his immediate reaction is, well, okay, well, the trip's off then. Sorry, can't go anywhere. Oh my God. I'm like, dude, chill out. She's like, come on, just let her stay alone. We need this trip. We need to reconnect. (laughs) (laughs) She shouldn't have said anything. She should have just gone. But I think she's probably more afraid that he's going to be mad at her. Like, he is abusive. He's at least mentally, if anything, right? Yeah. So he says Jennifer is just going to screw up again. And Susan reminds him that he he once said he wouldn't make the same mistakes his dad made with him. And he's like, well, my my dad's great. He's like, oh, come on. I didn't do anything wrong. And she's like, oh, whatever. When you were a kid, you were 10 times worse than Jennifer's ever thought of being. Right. Well. And I'm like, um, just wait. Just wait to see. Give it time. Nevertheless, he finally reluctantly agrees. So the next day, as they're leaving for their trip, he warns Jennifer not to have anyone over at the house. And Susan tells her to do as her father says. She also says that they will be home after midnight on Sunday. Jennifer thanks her dad and says he won't regret it. Of which he doesn't even really acknowledge her at this point. Like, she's like, you won't regret a dad. He's not even looking at her. Right. He just gets in the car and drives off. I'm like, dude, why do you act like you don't care about your daughter? And you won't even, like, you you act like you care about her, but you won't even talk to her or acknowledge her. What a dickhead. What is up with you? You her as a object. You're mine, and I have to keep you mine and have to keep you in this state at all times. Yeah. That's misogyny. That's uh, toxic masculinity yep. and misogyny and blah, 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 all that stuff. 
So blah, 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 blah. That's what I call it now. <laughs> um, we see Jennifer's car pull up to Nick's place as he works on his car. He takes her inside while introducing her briefly to his grandmother. He's like, look, grandma, there's a woman. There's a girl. Hey, say hi. Bye. And grandma's out. She's, she, I think she has dementia or something. Or Alzheimer's or something. Yeah. yeah. He also shows he's trained his golden retriever named Capers to get beer from the fridge. And I'm like, who doesn't, you know, I love a dog that can do tricks, but I mean, it, this is all showing me like Nick's not a bad guy. This is also showing me that Nick is way too old for yeah. her. Because if you're I'm like, how old is he actually? They don't actually say his age, right. do they? No, they don't. But he's got to be like at least 20 something. He's 21. Gotta, he's got to be over 20, at least 21 or over at this point. Yeah. And it, they do say, like, we do know that they're, he's older from the context clues of that. And then the dad threatens to potentially file for, you know, statutory. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. He then randomly decides to show Jennifer his grandfather's gun from World War II, and he calls it a Luger. She refuses to touch it because she doesn't like guns. So he puts it back in the case and explains he likes to look at it to remember his grandfather. Who like, who thinks it's fun? And maybe and maybe it's just me, but like, is this a thing you do on your first date? You show a woman you just met the gun you like to have? Hey, look. Do you like guns? No. <laughs> what are you going to say after that? Like, right. okay, well then we'll go over there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get this. It's just something he's proud of. It's one of the things he likes to show people. He's, he's, it's a thing that he, I guess you had that one thing in your, Hey, look at this. Look at this. See, did you like my thing I have? You know, right. like, I don't know. It's just one of those things he's proud of. It's not something I would be proud of, but you know, I'm not him. <laughs> yeah. So later, he and Jennifer go to the park and play in the giant fountain, basically just to show that they're budding romance as they start to make out for all to see. They later go to a dock, and she tells him how free she feels and her parents are away. And then they go to her house, and he's amazed at how big it is. His life has sucked, yeah. <laughs> basically. His mom died in childbirth, and then his dad like blamed him for her death and started to beat him up because of it. And then when his his dad left, luckily his grandparents got custody of him and he's had a little better life for a little while. But I mean, you still, you grew up in that type of situation. You're not going to be unscathed, you know? She decides to give him an antique watch of her grandfather's. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? She goes, it was my grandfather's. Here's this antique watch. You should have it. I'm like, you've been on two dates with the guy, girlfriend. Like, you don't just give away family heirlooms that fast. She's already plotting. That's why. Oh, you can tell. Like, who does that, right? He's reluctant to take it, but then he does. But I'm like, uh, I would be like, thanks. And then when she turned her back, I would put it right back. Because I was like, I don't need this. Right. <laughs> this is not mine. It, she's just taking stuff from her parents' house and giving it to me. It's a little weird. I have a conscience, though. But, <laughs> you know. So he then decides to come clean about his jail time. Again, it was over him getting into a fight and he says somebody got badly hurt. So, and he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. So I, I guess whatever. He seems genuinely concerned that he doesn't want to frighten her off, but she says she feels safe with him. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> she decides she wants honesty between them and declares no secrets before they start to make out. And suddenly we see a shot where mom and dad are pulling into the driveway. 
Mm. Meanwhile, inside, we see Jen and Nick are starting to do the nasty, a little freaking dicky. As William marches himself upstairs and straight to the master bedroom, he opens the door to see them having sex in his bed. And Nick is just like in bliss at that moment. He's like smiling. He looks over. He's like, hi. <laughs> I just like, why their bed? Why not your room? You have more of a chance to still hide. Like, come on. You had to know your dad was going to try to pull some shit. Yeah. I, you know what? And that's the thing. I'm like, did they come home early or did she do this right at midnight so that they would see them? Yeah, that's true. You know, I, right. we didn't see the time, but I was like, oh, what? You know, you're led to believe that, oh, they came home early. Right. And she, you know, but you don't know. We didn't know the time. So, so dad says, you son of a bitch, and lunges at Nick as he grabs his stuff and darts down the stairs and out the door, all while William is shouting, you're dead, kid. You're dead. For the <laughs> entire neighborhood to hear, basically. Back upstairs, William asks Jennifer if this is how they raised her. She says, you don't understand. I love him. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, what the actual fuck, Jim? I mean, gosh. So mom is so upset. She says, we show you trust and you do this. <laughs> <laughs> like she is all kinds of stressed out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's all kinds of stressed out. She's She's not happy that she just found that. Probably that wet spot that she didn't make that time. Uh, um, you know so what I'm right. saying? You know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> like everybody knows you, the wet spot. You, how do you unsee that? Your child. I know. Your baby. And your child, to put it there. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, I mean, you have to get a whole new mattress. That's just the, you know, a mattress. I would burn sheets, the whole everything. house down. I can't. I, can't <laughs> I don't want this here. bedroom. I don't want to even look at this room. Yeah. <laughs> So William tells Jen that her mom isn't going to be on her side anymore. He's taking away her car. She is grounded. Her mom will drive her to and from school as well. He basically just like, and then he just shoves her into her room. Basically later that night, Jen calls Nick saying she's scared and asks to meet him. She hangs up and looks at her bedroom door for her parents. Then she looks in the mirror and it appears she has a shiner on her right eye. Did dad give her a black eye? (gasps) (laughs) So after sneaking out, she's riding with Nick. He leans over to kiss her, but she winces that her eye hurts. He asks if her dad did that to her and she nods. He tells her she's not going home that night. She'll come home with him. And she says, well, that'll just make things worse. (laughs) He falls for it. Oh my God. Hook, line, and sinker again. She says her dad won't let her see Nick, but he's convinced he, well, I can talk to, I can talk to him. Yeah. I'm going to go and talk to him. 100%. I'm going to convince him. Otherwise he says, you know, I'll, I'll make him listen. <laughs> no, you won't. So Jennifer gets home to her bedroom, safe and sound. She sees she has voicemails. So let me get this right. She has her own phone line. Yeah. And a car. Yeah. But for some reason, her dad doesn't trust her at all. Yeah. This is the weirdest thing, especially her own phone line. Yeah. Makes so much sense. I would be listening in on that child's phone all the time. (laughs) If I was that untrusting, I would be like, anytime the phone rings, it's for you. And then I would hit the mute button and just listen. (laughs) I mean, if I was that type of parent, I'm not a parent at all. So, And I'm surprised he doesn't listen to her voicemails. Like her girlfriend called and was like spilling all the beans of all the plans that she's done and all the scheming. So, yeah, not the not the brightest. 
everyone around is dumb. Yeah, everybody be dumb. But yeah, um, Karen has left a message asking about her and Nick. And just as the message ends, Susan comes out from the shadows of her bedroom. She knew Jen had snuck out to see Nick, but didn't tell William, luckily. However, she's mad. She's disappointed in Jennifer for sneaking around. Jennifer says, you never take my side. (laughs) To which her mom points out, that is some BS because I always take your side. Yeah. She's always sticking up for her. Her mom's done, man. She's like so over it at, at this point. Every at, From this point to the rest of the movie, she's like so done with Jennifer. I'm done with you, girl. Yeah. Sorry. I'm throwing you to your father. She tells Jen that she never realized how selfish she is until tonight. She also adds that Jen is deceitful and disrespectful. Jennifer snaps back, but Susan tells her she's done protecting her from her father. Mm. So after school, Nick shows up and Jen waves at him just as Susan arrives to pick her up. Instant turn off, overprotective mothers. Am I right? Yep. <laughs> that night, Jen hears Nick pull up in his truck and Susan answers the door. Nick says he just wants to talk to her and her husband. Just as William shows up saying, I thought I told you. <laughs> Nick apologizes for the night before, but explains he is in love with Jennifer. William says he doesn't care how Nick feels because his relationship with Jennifer is over. And Nick declares that it's not over and then tells William he better stop treating Jen the way he does. Not a smart move, kid. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. So William tells Susan to go inside as he steps out onto the porch with Nick. He then tells Nick that Jen is underage and he can get him for statutory rape. He tells Nick to leave before he kicks his ass. And Nick says he'll leave, but he won't stay away from Jennifer. William says, we'll see about that. Uh, the next scene, I have questions. Because, like, to do all that damage to that car, I feel like you would have had to hurt, hear noises of it happening. Yeah, I agree with that. So, okay, so after this, Nick has leaves a voicemail to, for Jennifer. Right. Uh, saying he doesn't care what her father says. They'll He'll find a way to be with her, whatever it takes. And then he hangs up just before Jennifer answers the phone. So uh, presumably the next day, William makes a call from the kitchen to his office to get the name of Detective Becker. He tells him to hold his calls all that day. And Susan walks up wanting to know what happened. And Jennifer's also in the background listening. Outside, William shows Susan and Jennifer that his car has been vandalized, spray painted, and all the windows busted out. Like, ooh, doesn't look good for Nick. And yeah, yeah he, he's definitely going to get pinned on himself. And that's where, like you were saying, like, wouldn't you, even in the, this is mid, this is mid to late nineties. So there would be also probably a car alarm. They're that, you know, they're that rich. They would have that, you know? And so the fact that nobody heard anything get busted up or, you know, unless the parents are like in a soundproof bedroom, (laughs) that's the only thing I can think of. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. That's, That's a little, yeah, that's, that's a loophole right there. At the police station, Detective Becker tells William that although he sympathizes with him, he can't do anything to Nick without proof. William is mad, saying that Nick threatened him, and this should be enough. So Becker reads Nick's rap sheet, and William, you know, calls Nick an ex-con. He then says it's not about his car, but about his daughter, that Nick forced himself on her, which she denies. This catches Becker's ear right away. I'm like, yeah, you don't ignore rape, please. Right. You know. 
at least he's not a huge disappointment on that. Like, rape? What? I'm sorry? Yeah. You know? He's like, that changes everything. And like, real life detectives who just yeah. like, oh, we're not going to test this kit, you know? But anyway. So, William says he wants Nick kept away from the family. And Becker says, well, okay, I can send a cop to him and maybe try to scare him into staying away, right? Right. So, that night at home, William tells Susan about his meeting with the detective. Susan suggests maybe they can just send Jen away to his parents' house. And William says, well, he won't stand for Nick trying to talk to Jen or see to her, you know. Mm -hmm. All the while, Jen's like listening in on this conversation outside the door. Right. She doesn't want to go to her grandparents. Yeah. Oh, I just knocked my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I got a little too excited. So the next day, Karen is hanging out in Jen's room and Jen fills her in on everything so far. She tells Karen that they can't prove Nick trashed her dad's car. She says she needs to get out of there to talk with him. And Karen says she's in enough trouble already. Right. Jen then emotionally blackmails Karen. <laughs> I say, you're my best friend. Aren't you going to help me? Please just help me. You're my best friend. Aren't you my best friend? You know? <laughs> yeah. Just to get her, uh, let Jen use her car as she sneaks out before her dad gets home, which is a really stupid move because... I mean, A, you could get caught, and B, you could have the potential to get your friend in trouble, too, right? for helping you. Not cool. Not cool. Bad yeah. Fred etiquette. Yeah, because when the dad comes home, she has to scramble now because she's not back yet. And so she, like, turns on the shower, pretends oh, yeah. she's Jennifer's in the shower, and then he's like, I didn't see your car. I was just like, oh, God. Why yeah. like now you're interrogating the friends? It's it's just a little bit much. It's sad for sure. Yeah. So yeah, so Jen goes over to see Nick and she asks him, Did you trash my dad's car? And he's like, He I didn't do it. And why would he do that if he's trying to win the guy over? And he tells her to wait in the car and they'll talk some more. And that's like where you're saying the William comes home and goes straight to Jennifer's room and knocking on the door. And Karen's like, uh, oh, oh, what am I going to do? Uh, oh, crap. Right. And pretends that, you know, oh, I was, it was weird. Like, we decided to take a break so I could trim her hair. What? Right. <laughs> Who does? Anyway. So she's just watching it out now. And he's like, okay, well, it looks like you guys are done. You need to go. Mm. So I'm like, so she, how could. She means she's going to have to call somebody to pick her ass up because right. she, her car's not there. I did, They did not think this through. Like, no. What happens now? Because now Jen's got to drive that car back. It would have made more and sense if Karen's they, not going to be there to get the car. Yeah. It would have made more sense if they went to Karen's house to study and then she snuck out, you know? Yeah. But th- she was grounded. She had to stay home. Right. That's the whole thing. So, but anyway. Um, He's like, yeah, get out of my house. I don't want my daughter to be happy. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So at Nick's, Jennifer whines about her dad and winces at Nick touching her. Oh, oh. And she acts like her dad is still beating her up. Like, (laughs) like what? She tells Nick that her dad was talking about rape charges and sending her to her way to her grandparents. I'm like, well, technically that part's not true. That part is true. But the abuse thing, it's a little overkill. Okay. It's a little, you know. He says, well, well, she should come stay with him, but it's not going to be luxury like at your house. And she says her dad would find them and kill them both. He won't stop till he tears them apart. Jesus. (laughs) It's so dramatic. She says, I can't live like this anymore. And he says, I I know you can't. It's not fair that you finally find something that matters to you and someone has to take it away. Okay. Projection. Yeah. A little bit. 
at this point, he's bowing his head over his grandfather's old pistol, and she comes up behind him. It's almost like she like hugs him, but it's almost like she's holding him there, forcing him to stare at this gun. Look at the gun. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Look at the gun, and let's talk about what we could do about this situation. She's like, I don't want to lose you. And he's like, you aren't going to. I promise we'll be together, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever. Yeah. Later at school, Jennifer is walking with Karen and and Bobby down the hall and talking about her finally being ungrounded and free in 10 days. The girls start talking about party celebrations, but Jen's like, I just want an old-fashioned sleepover with my friends. And they're like, oh, that sounds great. Everything's happy. I just feel like, why did they not question this so-called freedom countdown? Like, did they not wonder what was going to happen in 10 days? Did they not put it together when in 10 days or whatever around that time her parents are dead like what does she think was happening what did they think was happening she's playing everybody pretty well though apparently yeah real well real well so yeah she then asks karen can i borrow your car during lunch i had to pick something up and Karen doesn't even hesitate. She's like, okay, and just hands her the keys. Right. I'd be like, okay, what the hell are you picking up? Where are you taking my car? Right. <laughs> I want to know details. Or can I come with you? Because it's right. my car. <laughs> 100%. So Jennifer drives to some remote road and picks up Nick. He immediately like gets in the car and he pulls out his grandfather's pistol from a paper bag. And she's like, is that it? Like she hasn't seen it at least twice now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Well, yeah, I've shown it to you a few times. What are you? Have you had a stroke since we last saw each other? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, Jennifer? It's a gun. Yes, he's like putting bullets, messing with bullets, putting them in there and whatnot. And he starts to talk about how hard it is to be away from her so much. I miss you so much. I know, I hate not being able to see you. I'm like, dude, you are obsessed. Like, yeah. like this is not good. She starts to stroke his leg in support or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they get into this, like the plan to take out Ma and Paul Stanton. So the best place is to get in, to get past the alarm into the house is through Jen's second floor balcony because she doesn't have an alarm and she'll just leave the door unlocked when she goes to the slumber party. He will make it look like it's a robbery by grabbing some jewelry or something. And I'm like, doesn't he like, in this scene, I don't know what it is, but he keeps going like, uh, like he's in this like physical pain. I'll just make it look like a, like a, like a robbery. <laughs> like he just keeps like uh, crunching his face. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Are you pooping? What's going on? <laughs> I'm shitting myself. I can't deal with this. Uh, I don't know. He starts to have second thoughts saying that it's crazy. It's a crazy idea. But she's like, this is the only way they'll never let us be together. And you start to think about how, like, some people are so manipulative, and then you find how they find someone that's really easy to manipulate, like their, their counterpart. And all from that point on, all bets are off. Like that chick with the huge eyebrows that told her boyfriend to kill himself. You know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah. Like she had, like, oh my god, the eyebrows, the eyebrows. My god, why didn't anybody tell her to? wax those things off like huge she had this tiny little face this big forehead and these thick ass eyebrows i'm like girl a bangs cover the forehead b chin the eyebrows look so much better but you know whatever and c don't try to tell other people to kill people no that's too that too (laughs) physically you know what i mean (laughs) anyway 
that's it's sad. That whole situation was sad. And I, I really, I hate that girl for that. She deserves everything she got. Yeah. So they take the gun out and start shooting at bottles for targets. So they have a like, okay, he is the most horrible shot. <laughs> he shoots that gun like six times before he even hits one bottle. <laughs> I'm watching your earplugs just fell off your face. Okay. Right now. Um, he's like bam bam like every direction and it's showing where he's hitting and it's nowhere near the bottle <laughs> like they wanted to like he's a really bad shot <laughs> like every which way and he hits that bottle I'm like oh finally <laughs> so bad so it was really bad. bad really really bad that just uh, it kills me it made me so oh man she says like hey we just have to swear that whatever happens We'll always stand by each other. Okay. <laughs> like, what's wrong? Okay. <laughs> like, when he finally hits the bottle, he's like, oh, finally. And she's like, whatever happens. <laughs> I'm like, you mean if I don't hit your parents with the gun? Uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, that's a big chance at this point. It's a big chance. Just looking how this turned out. Anyway, so leaving school later that day, she starts to talk to her friends about how her parents were right or something. She's kind of mentioning this, like, oh, that my parents were right and blah, 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 blah. And just before she gets in the car with her mother, who doesn't look pleased at all, Mm-mm. she looks pissed. Like she something else happened and she was going to say something. And then Jennifer, like, immediately starts saying how she's, I'm trying to get better and I'm trying not to let let you guys down. So right. please, mom, just give me a chance. And so her mom's like, we'll see. Right. Before they drive off and right past Nick as he cleans off of uh, like some car's windshield at the garage. <laughs> and he's like staring daggers at their car as they pass. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't look crazy or anything. Mm-hmm. Later at the slumber party where the girls look like stereotypes from movie slumber parties, like with the huge curlers in their hair and their green face masks and their robes on. And I'm like, Danielle, I've never been to a girl's slumber party. Do you actually do these things? Um, yeah. Um, nowadays, though, it, we do those like um, Korean face masks with like the animal faces and stuff sometimes. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Definitely. Like back in the 90s, 100%, we were doing each other's nails and um, braiding each other's hair and stuff like that. So, yeah. It all feels very like um, grease at the whole Lizzo's bedroom. But I feel like you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I feel like it, what came first, the the chicken or the egg? Do we do these things because we watch them in movies, or were they happening before movies started putting it in? I don't know. That's kind of like Santa Claus. Do we think of the Red Man because of Coca Cola, or was you know? Right. That wasn't that wasn't the first time he was in red, but that's what everybody associates it with, you know? Yeah. So. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, the girls are in their face masks and hanging out and they're, they're watching, it looks like they're watching something on Skinamax or maybe some straight up porn because the music is a little too brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> um, it really is. It's like, I'm like, what are they watching? And they're just like sitting in the living room. It looks like, <laughs> like, okay. I'm not saying, okay, when I was in high school, and I was at an all uh, everybody sleepover or whatever. We would often have somebody would have a porn and somebody would put it on. And we would just watch it, you right. know, and we were kids, you know. And so, yeah, that kind of stuff does happen. I know at least for boys, I'm sure girls have found something and watched it, too. But, you know, it's always <laughs> fun. You kind of go, Ew! <laughs> you know, what are they doing? You know, it's, you know, it's kind of fun that way. <laughs> 
Anyway, so yeah, so the other two start to say that the guy in the movie looks like Nick. And then they seem to get like suspicious of why Jennifer's suddenly okay with being apart from Nick now because she was kind of with him. Right. And she tells him there's nothing to say and that the conversation pretty much just drops from there. It's like, it's all right. And the other girls are like laughing like, oh, I could control a guy like that and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. And like Jennifer's looking at them like, mm-hmm, sure. Like she's giving them a look like I'm judging you. So um, later on that night, after all the girls have gone to bed, Jen pops a little head out and sneaks out to get in the car with Nick. Of course, they drive straight to her house. And she doesn't seem to have any sign of remorse or hesitation, nothing. Never. She's putting on gloves. And I'm like, why is she putting on gloves to go into her own house that she would have fingerprints all over anyway? Mm -hmm. Doesn't that seem weird? They were thinking of, the writers were thinking of stuff they shouldn't have been thinking of and then not thinking of the things they should have been thinking of. So. Why didn't he put on gloves? She's putting on gloves. I would have been like, you know, I should have had gloves. <laughs> well, he couldn't have put on gloves because she was, you know, she's trying to set his ass up. So. Well, I know that, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would have personally thought, you I know what? That was gloves. a good idea. I need gloves. Fingerprints. Well, I thought about that. If we were in this movie, none of this would have been happening. No. Well, it would have been over by now. Yeah. We'd have been like, nope, she did it. She's going to kill her parents. And then it would have been over. But, you know, I would have been like, Nick, no. <laughs> She's not right for you. Whatever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Nick tries to talk her out of doing this again. She, he's like, really? Do we have to do this? Do we really have to do this? And she reminds him, it's the only way we can be together. <laughs> yeah. And then she kisses him. And he still looks like he's not. And buying it. He's not into this at all. Yeah, literally when he pulls, when he finally pulls the gun out, she it's almost like she's like, you're going to be scared little bitch. You're going to be scared little bitch. You're going to do this. Something like that. Yeah. Because like he, like, because it leads up to it and he's like pleading with her. Like they're walking into the house and he's pleading with her to like change your mind. And she's just like, nope, got to do it. Let's do this. And she's just walking forward, ready to go. And she's just like leading him straight to the parents' room. And they open the double doors, which I hate double doors to a bedroom. Unless it's French doors. It's the only time you can have double doors and it's okay. You know, for me, as glass French doors, like they had to look really, you know, not wooden double doors. It's weird. It's weird. It's too grandiose. Like, oh, look at me. I've arrived. All right. Anyway, I'm talking a mile a minute. Sorry. No, it's okay. Maybe the beer made me hyper. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So Nick looks like he's about to cry as he pulls out the gun and they're like laying there in bed. He's like, I, I can't do it. You know? Yeah. And she starts whispering to him that he has to do it. It's the only way to protect their love. I'm surprised and that one of them didn't wake up when he did like them. Talking. They were talking so much. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think that's why the mom stirs. She like turns over in bed. And then when she does that, I guess it freaks him out and he ends up pulling the trigger and just starts pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. And like, boom, 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 boom. And I'm just like, mm -mm -mm, shaking my head. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> not good. Not good at all. And the next thing we see is Karen's mom trying to find Jennifer. She's like, Jennifer, Jennifer. And she goes into the bedroom and all the girls are sleeping. There's only three of them, but you see them. And she goes to Karen. Where's Jennifer? I can't find it. She's laying right here. And she looks over and she's not laying right there. Like, oh no, where is she? And then from behind them, out of the bathroom, Jennifer walks out all innocent like, it's like, What's going on? 
And we pull away from her house and there's a police car outside as we hear, no, it can't be true. Oh, please, no. It's like the worst unconvincing line delivery ever. I mean, I don't know. um, Okay, we'll get into that in a second. But (laughs) so the next day, Jennifer tells Karen she needs to go. And but she'll be okay. I'm gonna go. And she, Karen's like, "Are you sure?" She's, yeah, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. She's okay. And then we see her ring a doorbell, and I'm like, "But it's not Nick that answers the door. No, no, no. It's Brad. She's going to Brad's house. Yeah. <gasps> oh, the plot and this. Or makes oh sense man. Now. So he's like, "What are you doing here? What's wrong?" She's acting. You know, she's got some tears in her eyes, but. She starts to cry and say, someone shot and killed my parents. <laughs> and he hugs her like, oh, Jen, oh, don't worry. I'm here. They're there. And over his shoulder, she's like smiling. <laughs> this devilish smile. Creepy. It's like the second half of the movie, the acting got worse. Yeah. <laughs> it really got bad. So next, the police and the detective, Barker, Becker, excuse me, goes to see Jennifer at her grandparents' house. They start to ask Jen questions about her parents, whether they argued a lot. And she says, they always got along. And I'm like, that's a big time lie. Mm, 100%. <laughs> and they ask about like, were they drinkers? Do they have gambling problems? And they ask if they had any like big business dealings, like large investments. And she's like, I don't, I don't know. Oh, oh. <laughs> and she starts to feign crying. So detective Becker starts to ask her about Nick. And she says, it's just a guy that I went on a couple of dates with. And she hasn't seen him for a few weeks. And Becker asks if he could have done this. And she looks surprised. And Nick? Oh. <laughs> and starts to cry on her grandmother's shoulder. I'm like, notice how she didn't answer the question. Right. Do you think he could have done this? Nick? <laughs> anyway. Mm. Outside, Becker tells his partner, Detective Daniels, about the incident when William's car was vandalized. He's convinced the look on Jen's face just now was that she was scared of Nick. I'm like, what? All he sees is poor little blonde girl, you know? And she's like the real Karen of the movie. Right. I just love Detective Daniels is the real um, MVP of this whole movie because he saw past the white lady tears and the just absolute nonsense of it all and pieced everything together. I love him. He is the MVP. He's the best character. <laughs> so yeah, Daniel, he speculates like, wait, but I mean, wait, maybe she was involved somehow. Yeah. But Becker's like, no, you're too suspicious. You'd even suspect your own mother. And, and Daniel's like, like you're damn right. <laughs> I would too. Have you met her? And I'm like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> of course they had to throw that little joke in. Next, we see Jennifer coming out from the woods to meet Nick at his truck. She tells him all about the detectives coming by, and Nick is just concerned with, well, we did the right thing, right? We had to. We did this because we had to, right? Tell me yes, Jennifer. I'm like, dude, if you didn't get the message the five other times she said, we, if we do this, we can be together, I mean, you're not going to catch on at all. Like, you right. have the worst memory. Like, we did this, right? We, we had to do this, right? <laughs> I told you like five times, yes. Yes, we did. I don't know. You you did it. <laughs> so he says he threw the gun out in the woods. And then he says the cops will just play with their minds to get them to say the wrong thing. 
so she hugs him and says she can't wait till this is all over. I'm like, yeah, so you can go screw Brad, you crazy hoe. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Later, the cops show up at Nick's as he gets home from his meeting with Jen. He lets them come inside and confirms that he and Jen broke up about a month ago. He said that her dad could get angry sometimes and that the, the detective tells him about the report that they got about the smashed up car. And Nick says, well, I didn't do that if that's what you're implying. And Becker then saunters over to the watch that Jen gave Nick. He asks where he where Nick got it. And Nick says that Jen gave it to him. But Becker says, I wouldn't break up with a girl that gave me a watch this nice. I'd marry her. Right. So Nick then says, sir, are you only here for the car? And Becker says, why? Is there something else? And Nick just shakes his head. So then Becker t- then tells him that the Stantons were murdered in their sleep last night and asks where he... You know, where were you and where in the house have you been? Were you upstairs? Are you ever in their bedroom? And Nick's like, no, no. And I'm he, like, dude. He should have just said, yes, he, he had been in the bedroom. They caught them having sex there when they were dating because then it's, you know, dumbass. It proves something, right? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And and he's like, dude, Jen is totally setting you up. Like, right. it's obvious. It's very obvious. It's, it's not even rocket science at this point. I mean, it's really, yeah, but he's not a rocket scientist uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's not a rocket scientist. <laughs> <laughs> In the other room, Nick's grandmother is confused. Like like we said, she either has dementia or Alzheimer's. She doesn't remember if, if it was last night that Nick had stayed home or not. But Nick tells her that it was last night. And she says, well, he'd know better than I would. I'm like that poor old lady. <laughs> poor, poor woman. Back in the car, Daniels says it doesn't make sense for Nick to be the murderer because he's not the type. He then compares Jen and Nick to Romeo and Juliet. I'm like, yeah, not even close. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and at the funeral. Oh, man, this got me at the funeral. Nick is pacing back and forth in the cemetery like. Anybody can see him. He's in the broad daylight. I'd be like behind a tree. Like that's what I would do, you know, but no, he's just out in the middle, like sun's beaming down on him, just walking back and forth, watching this like graveside service. And then he's like watching Jen and she puts her head on Brad's shoulder to cry. And I'm like, she didn't look at him, but I wonder if she still did it to like hurt him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So after the service, Jen's grandmother worries about leaving Jen in town, but Jen doesn't want to leave school in the middle of the school year, which makes sense. And Karen's mom assures her that Jen is like family and she'll be welcome in their home. I'm like, man, she's got the perfect setup. Yeah. Later on, Jen is putting on makeup when Karen tells her the detective called for her again. And Jen is not too concerned as she basically ignores this and says she's getting ready for when Brad comes to pick her up. Karen wants to know when they got back together. And Jen's like... It was never really over. <laughs> I'm like, Karen's like, ding, ding, ding. Something's up. <laughs> Something's wrong with my friend. Yeah. So now <laughs> Jen has that midriff showing again when she goes outside to wait for Brad. But Nick honks his horn at her. She tells him he needs to leave because the police are on their way to talk with her. Oh, he asks why she's that. dressed like that. And she's like, like what? I'm like, now Nick is starting to see the cracks. Is the he cracks in the foundation of this facade that she's got. I think he's still being Just slightly. Dumb. Like, he's like, why are you dressed like that? She's like, like, what? What's wrong with what I'm, I'm dressed? I'm like, mm. he knows. 
He knows he's just not letting himself know. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He asked her who that guy was at the funeral that, you know, <laughs> that mm-hmm. Brad, she's essentially, and she's basically saying that, oh, that was my cousin. I'm like, oh, dig that hole deeper. <laughs> <laughs> He's upset that the cops are asking so many questions. And she says they can't prove a thing as long as they stick together. She sees Brad's car and says, oh, God, the detectives, please go, Nick. And he tells her he loves her as he drives off. Obviously not looking in his rear view to see her immediately jump into Brad's car. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it happens within seconds. I would have looked at my rear view, you know, anything. If you're that like into somebody, you look in the review, you know, you just would. He, he, he's uh, just not bright. Not bright <laughs> just, just not bright. Not Later from a payphone, we see Jen tipping off the police where the gun is in the woods. I'm like vicious, vicious. She's an asshole. And she like is. the, like, she doesn't even try to disguise her voice when she does it either. She puts her hand over the receiver. I'm like, that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> that just muffles you. You can still tell, you know, we can still yeah. tell it to you. I mean, she could have been like, yes, uh, she could have done any voice and it would have been fine. Anyway. No, not just. So yeah, just as she hangs up, we see she's still out with Brad and she, she says she was calling her grandmother. Like next we How see the search in the that? woods. I know. I don't. I'm like, why would you call your grandmother while you're on a date? Right. Super weird. It's weird. So, yeah, the police are searching the woods and the surrounding area. Detective Becker finds bullet casings from where Nick and Jen were shooting bottles before. Just as Daniels walks up with the gun in a bag. Mm. Not good. Not good at all. We cut back and forth over to Jen and Brad making out in his truck. And we see the detective showing up to arrest Nick. And then we see Jen and Brad. They're about to get down and dirty and busy. And then we have fingerprints of uh, uh, on the murder weapon from Nick. And they go in ahead and arrest him. And they throw him in the back of the squad car. Oh, it's all bad news for Nick. <laughs> and Jen's just getting her rocks off. That's what pisses me off at the same moment. In the interrogation room, Becker does all the bad cop talk and Daniels is the good cop. Becker calls Nick a murdering son of a bitch. And Daniel says Nick should feel bad for his grandmother and tell them if it was all his idea or if someone talked him into it. I'm like, then why bring his grandma into this? Like, right. <laughs> leave his grandma alone. Next, Becker holds Nick's head down. Look at this picture. Look at this picture. <laughs> like, damn. He, like, holds his head down, makes him look at the murder scene. And Nick's like, I can't look. I don't want to look. And, like, let me go. And jumps up and runs to the, like, puts his head in the corner like he's, a, you know, kid in school. <laughs> I mean, this does not yield good results, man. That's not good. Right. Later in the car, Daniel speculates that Mr. Stanton was an asshole like he was based on eyewitness accounts from the party of him pulling Jen out and other things that people have said about him. And Becker says, Nick has a prior and he has a grudge against him. It's cut and dry. So he's just not listening at all, like not seeing the gray area. He's like, nope, this is how it. Nope, I'm telling you, this something's up here. (laughs) Daniel's like, look at it from all angles. And Becker's like, I don't have to. This is it. I'm like, oh, that makes you a bad cop. You're not a good cop if you won't look at it from all angles. Yeah. Or, or even or even like, I don't know, just go with the idea that maybe, maybe not everyone's good. 
you know, anyway. So when they go in to talk to Jennifer, she acts surprised and says, did Nick say anything? Did he tell you why? And Daniel says, funny thing, Jennifer, he told us to ask you about that. So Jen starts to bite her finger and cry. (laughs) And she She gets ready. She was yeah. ready for this. She is ready for this. She gets out that freaking answer machine tape with Nick saying that the father can't treat them this way and then they'll be together, whatever it takes. She says she's scared of Nick and that he she left him after he busted up her dad's car and or or she she's tired of whatever, something like that. She starts to cry again. The detectives leave and Becker asks if Daniels is satisfied. And Daniel says, Well, if she is involved, then she's good. Right. Like she's nutsy. Nutsy. She's nutsy. Right. <laughs> she's nutso. I'm like, no, no shit. It's kind of got this like convoluted plan, like wild things in a way. That's what I was starting yes. to think of. Across town, Karen gets in her car and pulls out a notebook from under the passenger seat when a bullet fi- falls out from it. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Uh-uh. That's from when Nick was messing with the gun in the car. Karen goes to her jewelry box and puts the bullet in a pouch just as Jennifer's coming out. And she's like, oh, I'm looking for earrings. Because mm, Jennifer's and starting to become suspicious of dear Karen. I know. All she did was like was putting stuff in a pouch and she was looking for I mean, Why does that look suspicious? Like, yeah. I guess because she didn't get earrings out. Aha. Mm-hmm. So later, Jen shows off a black dress. I guess they're getting things out to donate to like charity or whatever. And she's like, oh, what about this black dress? And she's smiling. She goes, you think it'd be good to wear in court? I'm like, what a way to grieve your parents, psycho. Yeah. And Karen's being all silent. And Jen asks, what's wrong? Why have you been acting weird all day? And Karen says, well, I'm just stressed from all the murder stuff. (laughs) All the stuff that's going on. I'm more stressed about your parents being dead than you are. Yeah, and she's also like, I mean, knowing that someone I know could have killed somebody and murdered them in cold blood, I mean, doesn't that bother you? And Jen's like, she starts joking, how could you let me get involved with a guy like that? <laughs> yeah. Not and Karen's good. like, what the hell's wrong with you? That's not funny. And she looks at Karen's face. She knows it was in poor taste, like right then. She's like, oh, I should have done that. So Jen leaves the room, and Karen hangs back, looking for the bullet, I guess. I think, I guess. I don't know what she's trying to do. And Jen pops her head in. She's like, what are you doing? And Karen lies. Says, I'm looking for paper. My my parents make lists of things that we donate. I'm like, that was smart thinking. She's yeah. quick on her feet, though. Yeah. With her dad earlier and with this. Not yeah, she's too smart. much, though, because she does some questionable things later that I'm like, why did you do that? I Yeah, I, I agree. So, like, she finds paper. And like Karen, I'm like, Jen's like, oh, over there, there's some over there in that drawer. But then she finds paper where she told her not to look. And it's got Emma's name on it at the letterhead. And she immediately figures out that Jen wrote all those love letters from Emma for Brad to find and break up with her. Mm, and Jen mm, smiles mm. and proudly says, and it worked mm. before leaving. I'm like, right then. Okay, my friend's a psycho. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I would have probably told somebody if I did something like that. I wouldn't have kept it. I would have like, oh, I totally wrote those letters. So I wanted to get them back. And I yeah. I hate that bitch. I would have said something. Yeah. It's it just a lot is coming out. And um, Karen is really suspicious now. So. Well, later, 
Brad and Jen are having ice cream on a date when Brad tells her that he loves her. And she just says, I know. Yeah, they're so cute. So adorable. Whatever. But I think this is when Karen, doesn't Karen decide that she's going to like. Oh, this is where she finds the diary. Yes. At that moment. And she starts to read all the heinous stuff that Jen wrote in there, confessing to making Nick murder her parents and easily tricking Karen into believing stuff. And she's like majorly obsessed with being with Brad. I Uh, must have Brad, you know. At this point, I don't know why she put the diary back. She should have taken the diary. Instead of going to go see Nick, she should have taken Uh, the diary and gone straight to the cops and been done. I know it doesn't make any damn sense. Like, so she hears Jen and Brad pull up and she's like, Oh crap, I need to leave. So instead of taking the diary with her, putting in her purse or something, she just sticks it right back underneath the bed. I'm like, why you dumbass? Why? I remember watching. That's the one thing I remembered after I started watching. It's like, Oh, this is that movie. And I was like, Oh, I remember this. And I started going, no, like knowing what was coming. They went so extra to try to prove it. And if she had just gotten the diary. And then when she she goes to go visit Nick in jail, tells Nick that he's been conned this whole time and tells him all the things she read in the diary, but like doesn't recognize that he's still obsessed with Jennifer and he still can't believe that she would do stuff to him. So like he ends up just you know, not keeping that secret. So now Jennifer can't even pretend that she's like, doesn't know what's going on, you know? I know. And the thing is like, and it's so sad because the one, the only thing that seems to kind of convince him is when she tells him like, Hey, Jennifer was never bruised. She used makeup to fool you. Her dad never hit her. Right. And then and he get, has this look on his face like, what? No, you're lying. No. And he doesn't want to believe it, but he's starting to believe it. Yeah. And then we find out that crazy McGee Jennifer followed um, Karen to the prison. So now she knows something's up. And so now she asks the cops if she can go visit. She wants to talk to Nick face to face. She wants to face him one last time. Mm-hmm. Like, what the? F- <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so nuts. And now he's oh. like all messed up because Jennifer. Uh, Karen just told him all this stuff and it's not a secret. So now she knows Jennifer knows all this shit because he, then he tells her, oh, she read in your diary. Why would you write all of that stuff down too? That's the thing you're like, you're not very smart. No. You know, there's a smart, there's a thing you're like, oh, you're smart in some aspects and planning stuff. But this right here, what? Stupid, stupid. Real dumb, real, real Ugh. dumb. Yeah, and then like she's like talking to him, like, "Hey, she's." They're talking in the the jail cell when she goes to see him, or not really jail cell, but you know, a private room. Yeah. I would have thought there had been some surveillance, yeah, of some sort to hear what they were saying, recording their conversations, which I thought, or just even behind was... that like two way mirror or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, and so he's like, "Okay." She's talking about, we just got to keep our story straight. We got to keep our story straight. And he's like, "Hey, Jen, what about your bruises? Like, were they real? Did your dad really hit you?" And like, cause you know, this is just what I'm saying. I just want to know. And so she goes, she's just, that's what sets her off. So finally she turns on him to his face and starts yelling at him. Like you killed my parents, you sick son of a bitch and all this stuff. And, (laughs) and that's where Becker comes in to get her. And I'm like, Oh, 
it pisses me off when someone is outright framing someone and they're getting away with it. It just makes me so mad. It's oh. it's nuts. It's so it nuts. And, and to know that Karen could have quickly ended all this shiznick. Stupid, stupid girl. <sighs> oh, well. So later on the, at the docks by the beach, Jen tells Brad that she wants him. She wants to move back into her family's house. And he's like, isn't that a little too soon? She's like, well, I just want to, I just want to go back there. I think it's time and you can come stay with me and we can be together. I'm like, come on, dude, something ain't right. And you're like, I think Brad's starting to feel like something's not right. And the next thing we see with a lawyer present, Nick tells the detectives everything that transpired that Jen lied to him and convinced him to kill her parents. Becker still isn't buying it though. He thinks Nick is just trying to get a plea deal. However, Nick says that Jen, Jennifer wrote everything down in a diary and I'm like, Oh, and I remembering that nothing goes as planned. And he's like, yeah, Karen, her friend, Karen knows where it is. So we cut over to Karen's house when Jen comes home and she goes upstairs to find the police leaving with her diary. And Karen tells her she wants her out because she read all what she did to her parents and the diary. I don't want to live with you anymore. And Jen acts dumb. And of course tells Karen that she's making a big mistake. Mm. Uh Oh, <sighs> oh man, this makes me mad. So when the detectives read the diary, it's not the copy that Karen read. It's the diary of a good girl who is scared of Nick. Of course, when Nick finds out about this, he's upset. And his lawyer says if they introduce this diary as evidence, he, he doesn't stand a chance. And it really sucks. On the phone later, Nick tells Karen he thinks she and Jan, um, Jen, excuse me, plan to like this whole thing out. You're just trying to make me look like a fool. But Karen's like, no, I promise you. I, I thought she was my friend. That must be some kind of fake diary. I, I'm going to try to find the real one. Don't worry about it. So he just kind of hangs up on her. So the next thing we see is Karen breaking into Jen's house using a spare key. And apparently she has an alarm code. She starts searching all over, but can't find the diary. She goes into the closet and she pulls out a box. And that's when Jen and her grandparents come home in panic. Karen tries to put away the stuff she got out of the closet, but drops something as Jen is approaching her door, her bedroom door. And we know that she heard something. She kind of like, what was, she had a look on her face like, did I just hear something? You know? Right. And she looks around and she looks in the closet and sees the box on the floor and puts it back up on the shelf. It's like, huh, but there's nobody there. And we see Karen get back home shortly and she finds, um, she's looking for the bullet she hid in her jewelry box, but it's missing. Mm. I'm like, this girl has like covered all bases now. Like she has got it. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, Karen didn't look upset by it either. She's like, oh, it's not there. Hmm, maybe I didn't put it here. That's the kind of look she gave. Like, right. mm, oh, well, but, uh, that wouldn't you be like, oh, no, I would have been upset, you know? Yeah, Karen but, has messed up. She has shit the bed pretty much about this whole thing. She shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't shit the bed, kids. It's not good. It's hard to get out. So back at home, Jen tells like, or takes out the real diary from behind a painting on the wall and starts to rip out pages to burn in the fireplace. Next up, we see Karen goes to Detective Becker and tells him about the bullet, but he doesn't believe her and not about anything she says, actually. He thinks that she was in love with Nick from Jennifer's fake diary because it says that that quote when they were having their slumber party saying, I would get him to do things, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so he tells her to give up and leave. And I'm like, oh, I'm still shaking my head. 
<laughs> it's it's not good. It gives me a headache. It's finally court day, and Jennifer is testifying. She says that she tried to break it off with Nick, and he and her dad were yelling and fighting. She says Nick stood outside their house all night, and the next morning her dad's car was all messed up. Ah! Nick, being an idiot, jumps up and says, Your Honor, everything she's saying is not the truth. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, liar, liar, pants on fire has never won a court case. Never. Like, just I don't care what evidence. Jim Carrey movie you watched. It doesn't work. You know? That's mm -hmm. just it. That's the truth. He yells, I want the truth. But Jennifer starts to fake cry. And I'm like, this outburst don't look good, Nick. Stop it. So the lawyer asks Jen about the gun. And she says, Nick used to call her and tell her about it and how it was always loaded. I'm like, that's so random. Who would do that? Right. Hey, by the way, I've got a gun and it's always loaded. Just letting you know. <laughs> Click. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> she yells out, you killed my mom and dad. I'm like, cry me a river, sweetheart. During the court recess, Karen goes to see Nick, who says he doesn't understand how it all happened. And then he starts to cry because he looks like his case is hopeless. And I feel so bad for him. He's just a moron who is just hard up for some attention yeah. from a young girl. Just a dum-dum. Just a dummy. He wishes there was something else they could do. And that's when we cut to Jen in the bathroom as Karen confronts her saying, you think you're going to get away with this, don't you? And she's like, you messed up. I know it. And I'm going to find something you messed up with, you know? And that's when Jen shows Karen the bullet in a Ziploc and says, whose fingerprints do you think they found on this bullet, Karen? Hmm? She was like, I can prove everything. Like, you did this. And she was like, don't mess with me. And I'm like, I never wanted someone to slap Melissa Joan Hart <laughs> harder and or at all in my life. Like, that's just, you know, oh, I'll just slap her. Anyway. Not the actress, but you know, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Later in court, the verdict is in, and Nick is found guilty, okay. and he is absolutely just, I mean, torn up. You know, it's just, it's devastating. But he did and, do it, so he does need to go. He did technically death. do it, but you know, it's there's still more to the story. Yeah. Guess who isn't guilty? Jen. Right. She's all hot for Brad to come over tonight. And celebrate with her. And he's been he real seems kind of, Yeah, he seems really indifferent. And like, he's like, maybe. But she's counting on him being there. I'm like, yeah, Brad's on to you, girlfriend. You can yeah. kind of tell. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So this is the best part. So that night, when Brad doesn't show at first, Jen throws her bottle of champagne at the wall. Or at least a glass of it. I don't know. Glass of champagne, yeah. And, but suddenly... There's someone at the door. It's Brad. <gasps> he tells her they should take a ride. Random Brad, but okay. Yeah, we have a full house by ourselves because the grandparents, she told them, went home. So why are we taking a drive to the woods? He's like, yeah, let's get out of here. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. She'll do anything Brad says, though. Yeah. So they drive out to a secluded spot. He tells Jen that Karen told him what she read in her diary and he understands why she did it. It was for them. She's confused at first, but he starts to kiss her. He says he would have helped if he would have just told, she would have just told her how much pain she was in. Mm. He wants her to trust him and be honest with him. He's like, it's okay. It's all right. He says, it's hard to believe you put all this together and got everyone out of our way. It's why I love you. 
Mm. And she says, that's when she finally says, I did it for us. It's why we're together now. And that's when he shows her the wire. I didn't feel like he, like watching Law and Order enough. It doesn't, she doesn't, we don't have a full confession. She doesn't really say exactly what she did. I just feel like he should have gotten her to sing more like a canary. Yeah. To make sure that. But I guess I did it. It's what why we're here, why we're together. And then, and they're, they probably will start looking now that they're, now that they have that, they're like, we're going to look into this more and they'll start finding more stuff, yeah. you know, finally. Now that they're suspecting her, they'll look for it. But yeah, so the detectives have been listening the whole time. Woohoo! <laughs> she calls Brad a bastard and a traitor as the cops start to swarm in and the metal guitar blazes on. <laughs> as we pull up from an aerial shot, getting the following follow-up. It says, Jennifer Stanton, found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder, was tried as a juvenile and will be released at the age of 21. Nick Ryan is still in prison. Damn. Fade out the end. Oh boy. That what means that girl is out of prison now. What a roller coaster. Be careful of your bumble swipes, people. Do background checks because you never know who just got out of jail for Pin a drop your locations. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Oh, man. I mean, I feel so bad for Nick. I wonder if he's still in prison now. I know it said. You know, she'll be released at the age of 21. Nick Ryan is still in prison. I'm like, that was in 96. Is he still in prison? I'm, if you're a true crime person, look it up. Tell me. I don't want to look it up. Um. <laughs> but he killed two people. I can't imagine him getting out of jail for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, all this evidence showing how she manipulated this whole situation shows that a child mind did not do this. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a sick, sadistic adult type mind did this, but karma's That's, gonna get her in real life let's hope let's yeah. hope it did actually i forgot how this ended and i thought we'd be seeing more of how her, she's gonna get hers but we didn't but i'm still kind of satisfied uh it was a ride for sure um <laughs> i did like m- multiple parts did start coming back to me uh, i love seeing so many of the familiar faces faces that were in this movie and you know melissa joan hart doing her fake bad girl thing was a hoot to watch. So it was good. Um, I'm glad it was on YouTube. It was, it was like grainy and just, it just gave very nineties vibes. A hundred percent. Oh yeah, totally. It was like, Oh great. Not HD. Yay. (laughs) It was perfect. So yeah. Where can the kids find you and no more late fees on social media? So yeah, we, me and my best friend, Jackie, we host a podcast called No More Late Fees, um, and we do movies from 1995 to 2005, and you can find us on any, pretty much every social media platform at No More Late Fees. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, um, and our podcast is available pretty much everywhere where podcasts, you listen to your podcast, so... Yeah, you can just look, look for their, their pink ticket icon. <laughs> That's their logo. Yeah. It kind of looks like the Blockbuster ticket, but it's pink instead. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap, or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. 
Thanks for coming on, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was saying, maybe we can get Jackie to join us sometime next time and yeah. we can do something fun. We'll, we'll figure it out. I, just, I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk about this with me. And and it was fun to reminisce about this old school melodramatic Melissa Joan Hart feature. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that like we became friends on social and like it's so nice that we got to like talk to each other in person. So finally interact. Yeah. yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you. Well, thank you again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we hope you have a good one. See you next week for another TV movie. Bye. Bye. <laughs>